You can listen to The Professional Left wherever you get your podcasts, on Netroots Radio, or at our website, proleftpod.com, where you can also contribute to this podcast. There is a PayPal button at our website, or you can mail us a letter and or contribution at P.O. Box 9133, Springfield, Illinois, 62791. This is the podcast for the week of January 12th, 2024. It's not safe for work. Recorded live from the Cornfield Resistance, where 14 years ago, we sounded just like this. It's the Jeff Glass and Blue Gal podcast. It's the Blue Gal and Drift Glass podcast. It's the professional laugh with Drift Glass and Blue Gal. are now 20 and 21 and traveling around the world. Middle child is doing junior year in college abroad in Thailand. And youngest child is spending part of her Christmas break with her grandfather in Pittsburgh. So exploring art museums and yeah, running around art museums. Mm -hmm. And uh, so (laughs) those little voices are big people now. Yeah, breaks they, my heart. Well, I'm kind of heartbroken and and busting with pride. Yes, so, at the yeah. same time. Yep. 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 But you and I have been through a lot, so yeah. Parenting is a big commitment, and you you walked into it cold. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I had a few years at uh, college um, as a manager and a director. Oh, oh, yes, of a tech room. So, so I I knew how to. You know, I knew which voice to use for which occasion. Yes. And a little bit of housekeeping. By the time you hear this podcast, I will have appeared, I think that's correct, future perfect something something, on the broadcast with Digby, talking about the DeSantis-Nikki uh, Haley debate and other things. I don't know what we're going to be talking about because, it, it, from my perspective, it's in the future. <laughs> you haven't you, you haven't talked to, to Digby no. and Brad yet. No. Right. The right. countdown clock is, has uh, started and... For my sins, I watched the entire debate, and I shall mention a couple of things about it later in our program. And I watched Hitchcock's Notorious in yes. the living room <laughs> and <laughs> you, did did my knitting project. You got the better end of that deal. I sure did. Uh, happy anniversary, Drift Glass. Happy anniversary, Blue 14 Gal. years of podcasting. I know. I know. Fantastic. It's, it's, so shall we start wow. our 15th year of podcasting with comedy highlights? Sure. Let's, let's leave them laughing. here it honey. comes. Dems mm-hmm. on the offensive. Yeah. Hunter Biden showing up at the House of Representatives lie about Hunter Biden committee hearing mm-hmm. where they had planned to impeach, condemn and hold in contempt Hunter Biden. And here's the thing. Hunter Biden brought his lawyers. Yeah. He brought counsel with him, showing the world that he was ready to testify. I'm here to talk, people. I'm here to testify. I'm here to, I'm here to testify. I have I am flanked by my attorneys. Mm hmm. And he didn't talk. Nope. He didn't talk in the hallway. He didn't talk during the committee hearing. He sat there, and he and when they got out into the hallway, he let his lawyers speak for him. He is a disciplined client, mm-hmm. which is quite a contrast to the other client we saw this week. Yeah. Uh, now, him showing up interfered with the committee's plan to lie about him and also to look at his dick again, mm-hmm. courtesy of Marjorie Taylor Greene who, by the way, was whining and still whining about the Mann Act. And I have to tell you, as the ex-wife of a person who wrote an entire book about the history of the Mann Act, (laughs) 
It's it's called uh, Crossing Over the Line, I believe is what the t- full title is. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a it's a history of the Mann Act. And the Mann Act was used to uh, prosecute and persecute people that the government didn't like in the 20s, like Charlie Chaplin. Mm-hmm. But today, and no one has ever suggested that uh, one take the Mann Act completely off the books. But they have watered it down and watered it down over time to the point where uh, it's primarily used for child sex trafficking. And that's very important to stop. I totally don't think anyone would disagree. Ending child sex trafficking, you know, given that Donald Trump has pictures with Jeffrey Epstein, you know, et cetera. Uh, That's, again, the irony that Marjorie Taylor Greene running around screaming about the Mann Act. That is in the Mann Act these days. That is what it isn't used to enforce. The Mann Act is about child sex trafficking. Uh, going down a water slide nude with some women in Malibu while you're high um, is not violation of the Mann Act. It may nope. be a violation of human decency. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I'm glad that Hunter Biden has gotten clean and... Uh, I'm pretty sure the women he went down the slide with were from California at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he did take them to Vegas, then he did cross state lines. But again, that's not a violation of the Mann Act. And one of the things that my ex-husband's book talks about is that the Mann Act uh, did did not necessarily stop trafficking, but it did stop single women from being able to travel anywhere. Mm-hmm. Oops! <laughs> it was a sexist uh, law. Mm-hmm. Um, because if anyone, if you bought a train ticket for your girlfriend to come and visit you in another state, that's Boom. that in the twenties was a violation of the man act. So, uh, yeah, she's just crazy about that. Um, and when it was Marge's turn to talk and, and display her porn collection, uh, it was clear the committee was not going to agree to on camera testimony from right. Hunter Biden. No, no. So he and his attorney stood up to leave and they took the cameras with them. And that's the worst offense they committed the all day. The worst thing yeah. that could possibly happen is all of a sudden Marge loses her camera time. Yeah. So uh, expect more like this because it's clear to me that the Democrats in the House are on offense. They are a... Um, well-organized machine <laughs> and Hakeem Jeffries and, and, you know, Nancy Pelosi before him have said, you know, these bozos are going to trip over their own dicks repeatedly. Mm-hmm. And we're going to point that out. So, uh, drift class, you said there was a Republican debate followed by a very sniffy town hall and you got to watch a couple of those, right? Yes, uh, and th- it was not one follow the other. It is they happen simultaneously. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I I had to go back and forth between the two a Republican debate and the Sniffy Town Hall meeting, and it was just embarrassing and silly and a waste of everyone's time. And everyone involved knew it was a waste of their time. Um, the uh, the debate was Dana Bash and Jake Tapper who were trying to moderate, and they kept and they said, you know. This is a Republican debate, so we're going to talk about things that Republicans are interested in. So, uh, and and it was two people yelling, you lie, you lie at each other for two hours. And it was, uh, you know, I think that Nikki Haley got the best of it, um, but she didn't do great. 
I think that uh, Ron DeSantis learned how to debate a little bit better. I think he might have dyed his hair. It certainly seemed unnaturally dark up there on that stage. Um, but it was a joke. The, the best part of the debate I, and town hall, I forget which channel it was on, was there was a uh, commercial for a tombstone company. <laughs> a, a heads, they'll do custom engraved headstones for you. And I go, yep, that's about right. That's just about perfect. It was, uh, there were the inevitable TikTok commercials um, about how TikTok is wonderful in the middle of a debate over China and TikTok. Yeah. Uh, but it was a bunch of, you know, it was just lying. Uh, there was some attempt to mention the fact that Donald Trump um, wasn't there because Donald Trump was, you know, 100 miles away, uh, sitting in a Fox studio um, with softballs being pitched to him. Clearly, yeah. Fox has decided who the winner is going to be. Mm-hmm. Clearly, they don't want to be on his bad side. And both of these candidates clearly understood that to win the Republican Party, um, to win the election, they need people who think Donald Trump is the second coming. Yeah. So they can't very well go out and say things that are true about Donald Trump to th- their face. Uh, Nikki Haley did say that he lost. You know, Joe Biden won. The January 6th was not a good day. It was a bad day. Um, and that's heresy in the Republican yeah. Party. Yeah. But I, I don't know who this... It felt like a high school auditorium debate. You know, the audience seemed smaller and less involved. It seemed like, you know, their parents and their parents' friends showed up to applaud for their kid. And that's great. But it was all in all just terribly embarrassing. Um, And then you flip over to the Trump town hall and it's just night and day. Mm -hmm. He is, he is, you know, he's on his thing. He's going to fix everything. Mm -hmm. He's going to fix everything. He's going to fix abortion. Um, he's not going to mess with Medicare. He's going to have a great healthcare system. He's going to fix the wall in 24 hours. It it's it's embarrassing, and you know why. If you go back and forth, why these two clowns are are punching at each other and not him, because yeah. he's the fucking party. That's mm-hmm. the party, and mm-hmm. you can't run against the Republican Party in the Republican Party. There's a guy who tried that. His name is Chris Christie, and now he's gone because you can't go into the Republican Party. And ask people to examine their choices and look at themselves in the mirror and and question, why the hell did you vote for this monster? Because most of them did. Most of them love him. And that's that's the inherent problem with the, the whole process, which is no one on the stage, certainly no one on in the town hall is going to turn to the audience and say, this is your fault. This is your fault. Right. You right. assholes, you clowns, you gas-sipping hillbillies. You bigots, You fucking yes. white trash. You, this is all on you. And it's all on us for letting you do it and encouraging you to do it. So here we are. We have two people who in, in some other universe might actually be running for president with a, a completely different tone in their voice. But I will say this. Nikki Haley dropped a grenade on, on DeSantis when she said, what a loser he is when it comes to his own campaign. The thing mm-hmm. they're doing right at this moment, you are failing at. You spent $150 million. You take private planes. You, you spent more on planes than ads. You screwed the whole thing up. You, you're not running ads anywhere. You're only in Iowa, and you're going to lose here. And everyone knows you're going to lose here because you're a loser, loser. And how can you trust a guy who can't even run his own campaign to run the country? And that that got under his skin. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. that if you had to score a win, I'd say she won on that point. But it was just... a. It was a completely empty exercise, and everyone involved knew it was an empty exercise. That's all I have well, to say. Well, and about it. she and she's between a rock and a hard place in terms of clearly she doesn't want to be Trump's vice president now because she just told 
the audience that he's responsible for January 6th. That yeah. crosses her off the list. Well, does it? I mean, <laughs> you know, well. there's, there's, there's that scene from Mad Men mm-hmm. where um, Don Draper has completely blown it with the tobacco companies. Oh yeah. And yeah. you know, they, they, and he finds out about a secret meeting and he shows up at the secret meeting mm-hmm. and they, they let him have it. They say, well, you, you stabbed us in the back and you called us this and you called us that. And he's, he's trying to figure out how to save his own career. Mm-hmm. He said, well, mm-hmm. how much more effective would it be if I, if you made me kneel, if, you know, if you made me, you know, if, if you put me on a leash and made me work for you, wouldn't mm-hmm. that make you feel powerful with You know, Donald Trump doesn't loves nothing more than someone who uh, stood up to him, uh, being Coming forced on their knees to, to beg to him. Beg her, him. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. that's that's what Mitt Romney was doing. Yeah. Until Mitt Romney didn't get his job, so yeah. Nikki Haley begging him for a job mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. is almost as good as as just a point. I don't think she'd get it. No. But maybe give her Secretary of State or something like that. You know, yep. the, the whole point is all of the people that you, the, all even the good Republicans. Are all are all well? You know, push come to shove. Of course, I'll support Donald Trump um, because Nikki Haley is running in the Republican Party, yeah. and she doesn't seem to understand what the fuck that actually means. Yeah, and yeah. it's going to come as a rude awakening when it turns well, out. You know, she'll get she'll get put on some corporate boards. Yeah, and uh, have enough to support her. You know, a New York lifestyle wherever she wants to live. Yeah, uh, that's all it is at this point. Meanwhile, uh, on team props, uh, props to Democratic congressman again. Yeah. I I, I want to head heads up to Eric Swalwell. Jared Moskowitz has quickly ah. become a being a fan favorite. He wore a Smurf tie yeah. to the hearing uh, and held up a poster sized picture of Donald Trump hugging convicted sex offender, the late Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah, why not? Had, why not? Had, 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 a, had a few spare minutes when Marjorie Taylor Greene was going for porn, looking for porn, so held that thing up. Uh, and rock star Jasmine Crockett from yeah. Texas. Uh, Nancy Mace going off about uh, Hunter Biden's white privilege. Yeah. Uh, and Jasmine Crockett is the one to call her out on that and uh-huh. said, she said, quote, I can't get over the gentle lady from South Carolina talking about white privilege. It was a spit in the face, at least of mine as a black woman. For you to talk about what white privilege looks like, especially from that side of the aisle, let me quote your now ousted speaker, meaning Kevin McCarthy, and what he had to say about the Republican Party and y'all's lack of diversity. Quote, when you look at the Democrats, they actually look like America. When I look at my party, we look like the most restrictive country club in America. Unquote. So let me tell you something. Y'all don't know what white privilege looks like. And then her y'all lie. Yeah. The, the reason no one wants to talk to you behind closed doors is y'all lie. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. She said that out and loud. Carolee said, Carolee, my colleague at Curse and Lyle said, I want that y'all lie on a loop. Yeah. So I can just push a button. Y'all lie. Y'all lie. Yeah. That's it. Uh, we have these rock stars. It's a very deep bench. Mm-hmm. And they're all, as again, it's a discipline. It's the same way as Hunter Biden not talking at the committee hearing mm-hmm. and letting his you know, expensive. Those lawyers were on the clock. Right. Well, letting his lawyers and Jared Moskowitz talk yeah, for him. Yeah, speak for him. Yep. He's right here. Want to talk to him? He's right talk here. to him? Let's, let's, let's go. Let's sign do him in. Let's you know. show hands. Who wants to hear from him right now? Let's do this yeah. right now. Yeah. And you know, in front of all of America, America's watching, 
and he just rubbed their face in it. He did. Now he did. And this is this is discipline, and this is being on offense. Yeah. And I look forward to this year now because these guys are ready to fight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you have some things to tell us about no labels driftless. Something do. that this podcast is older than no labels. We are. We're one year older than no labels. And and as you know, I've said this before. I, I was writing about no labels. First post I wrote about no labels was within forty eight hours of them launching. Mm-hmm. I I have been on the no and labels. You called on. You the, called it then. Absolutely called and it. it you have never been one. proven wrong. Never been You've proven never wrong. Never been disappointed. <laughs> I, I've never been invited to a no labels lunch or fundraiser. <laughs> I've never gotten a call from them saying, you know, dude, you're right. You're right. We're so. Uh, one other person I wanted to mention who's who's an emerging rock star on the Democratic Party is a guy named Joe Biden. <laughs> who's making these really good speeches, you know, like yeah. two weeks ago, man, he's just so quiet. He's not doing, and now he's like, oh, he's giving these speeches and he's talking about democracy and he's calling Trump out by name. And oh God, you know, he's really doing a good job. And you know, the economy is doing remarkably well, blue gal, mm-hmm. you know, the mm-hmm. job creation is actually crime is down. Oh my goodness. And you know, there are millions and millions of people in this country who have no idea any of this is going on. I realize that, but I have a feeling all of these things are like, um, long passes tossed downfield. Yeah. This is where voters will be in in six months. So we're getting ready now when when the, you know the vast majority of people start paying attention to politics. This is what they'll see. These are the commercials we'll have, which is great. Yeah, No Labels um, is doing No Labels stuff. No Labels is a corrupt, um, uh, spoiler, grifty thing. It, it is a vanity project uh, among uh, a bunch of vanity projects, third-party vanity projects for rich assholes who don't want to believe that there's only two choices really that are viable and that everyone should sit down and shut up because I'm rich and I'm white and you should pay attention to me. And we got, we're got we getting a lot of that uh, in the last couple of months. No Labels, mm-hmm. you know, was just supposed to be this, uh, this, this problem-solver caucus, bringing the sides together, never calling people out for their problems, just looking towards the middle, and as it became clearer and clearer that the problem with this country is the Republican Party, period, full stop, um, it, it began sounding more and more ridiculous and began sounding more and more like the post I wrote two days after they launched, which is, uh, I believe that the subtitle was Political Cowardice has its uh, now has its own political party or something like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, has its own movement. And so No Labels has decided that f- first thing we're going to do is we're going to form a PAC. Now, there's no way for them to win the presidency. And they're not running for anything else. They're not shooting for any other office, as far as I can tell. They're not running for alderman. They're not running for councilman. They're not running for a congressperson. None of that. They're, they're going for the top of the ticket or nothing. But they can't win. They mm-hmm. know they can't win. So what's the point of setting up a super PAC? Well, they get $2 million bucks in the bank in it already because they're rich assholes who are willing to fund this sort of nonsense. And let's face it, it's a Republican front group. Let's all get over the fact that they're, they're, this is a Republican front group in it to do the everything possible to make sure that Joe Biden doesn't win the election. And the secondary rationale they've offered is, well, you know, what's what would actually work out best for the nation is if this were to go to the House of Representatives. If we could just win a few states and throw off the balance of, of the Electoral College so that nobody got enough – then it would go to the house. Then we at No Labels could broker a unity ticket. <laughs> and I just, you know, which is just insane, which yeah. is just insane. And everybody knows it is. So No Labels is more and more these days um, being 
talked about in the language that a vituperative foul mouth blogger like me talked about them 13 years ago, which is yeah. kind of delightful and kind of depressing because, yeah. and, and the, if you go back and look at the number of people who've been on their board and talked at their things, it's all the same people now who are tearing their hair out about how, what a terribly bad idea this might be. And it's, it's a grift and it's a third party grift and, and it is what it is. And now you've been updated. They're as terrible as we knew they were. Another thing that happened this week, and it seems like it happened three years ago. Yeah. <laughs> These weeks are so packed. But Tuesday morning, uh, there was a hearing that was audio only and was covered uh, everywhere. And a lot of us got up and listened to it. Um, one of Trump's lawyers told a three-judge panel that a president dark branded could order SEAL Team Six to shoot Donald Trump in the head and That's be right. immune from prosecution <laughs> unless he was impeached and convicted by a very divided U.S. Senate. Now, it wasn't put exactly that way, but no. it did seem to me that the judges couldn't help but fantasize about such a possibility. Hmm. Hmm. Like, what happens if if a president, like the president we have now, ordered SEAL Team Six to do something? Yeah. Bad. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, then Trump went out to a press conference, so to speak, where he didn't answer any questions. And he used the term bedlam to discuss what will happen if the courts don't do exactly what he wants. It will be bedlam, mm -hmm. which he does not know, apparently, comes from the name of a mental institution. Uh-huh. Uh, and that's clearly where he belongs. Meanwhile, uh, HBO is streaming every episode of The Sopranos <laughs> from beginning to end. Uh-huh. And yes, Trump is a mob boss. Yes. And Trump's lawyers are mob lawyers. Yes, they are. 100%. That is clear. So, and here's a last minute update. Trump spoke in court today before Judge Engeron. And it was as big a shit show as you can imagine. Mm -hmm. um, before the judge gave him permission to speak, the judge told Trump's attorney to have his client restrict his comments to the facts and the law. And Trump said, jumped up and started speaking as Engeron was ordering, was issuing those instructions. So it was a disaster. But Judge Engeron can now cross off, but he didn't let me speak from possible <laughs> appeals Trump might make. Well, yeah, you'd think so, um, but not really. I mean... But and and these swattings that are happening and, and so forth... Um, you know, we have we have terrorists in this country and well, we need to start saying so. Well, and the one the one question that I wish the judge or, or the lawyers had taken it out to is, OK, so um, he can only go up on trial for murder if he's impeached first. Mm -hmm. So what happens if uh, he calls out SEAL Team 6 and starts killing senators? Yeah. Orders him to kill those traitors over there. Are, are an affront to democracy, blah, 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 order use commander-in-chief, these are enemies of within, and and blow the blow the shit out of a couple of dozen senators. Mm -hmm. um, oh, well, how many senators would he have to kill, right? right? Well, yep, to, to avoid impeachment. Or just kill a few of them and the rest of them just yeah, stay home. Yeah, the rest of them ha have to stay in line, exactly. Yeah. And, That's and that, what well, I mean. You, now you can't impeach them, yeah. and now you can't convict them, and now you can't get rid of them. And that that is the logical outcome of, of fascist thinking, which is, right. I don't have to kill everybody. I just have to kill enough people to scare the shit out of to everybody terrify else. everyone else. Into yes. not doing anything. And mm -hmm. you already have, again, a Republican Party that would not impeach him over murder. 
Let's yeah. face it. They would absolutely yeah. not do it. And they would absolutely ham. They have blocked and hamstrung and sabotaged everything any decent Democrat has tried to do for 30 years. Yep. And they've only gotten worse and worse and worse. So this, uh, this fantasy that these lawyers are floating, thank God the judge looked at him and said, you must be kidding me. Yeah. Really? Oh, here's a question. And the lawyers essentially self-destructed their own defense, mm-hmm. which I thought was, you know, was very efficient of them to do that. Let's uh, let's talk about media fails for the week. I, this, at one point in time, in the dim and distant past, might have been entitled uh, Sunday Morning Coming Down, because I used to do that every week for, for a decade or for 12, 13 years. And I just tapered off because it's not getting any better. The, the mainstream media is simply committed to what it is and is not terribly interested in changing it in any way. That's why you could find Kristen Welker letting Elise Stefani get away with murder on Meet the Press because that's the way NBC executives want it. If they wanted someone tough and interrogatory and who did follow-up questions and wouldn't let Elise Stefanik say things like the J6 insurrectionists are in fact hostages or just lie on air, they would have gotten someone. But it is their business model is to have Chuck Todd or Chuck Todd in a dress. It doesn't matter. It's, it's the same thing over and over again. And don't expect it to get any better until something really drastic happens in the upper echelons of the executive suites, because that's where the decisions are made. They're not made by Chuck Todd. Chuck Todd didn't hire Kristen Welker. Someone else did. And, you know, I am reminded of the story that Keith Olbermann tells about uh, his feud with um, with uh, Bill O'Reilly. Right. And the fact that one day his boss came in and said, essentially, we have to fix this or we're going to we're going to be pulled off the air and there has to be something done. And it's like, that's loss of hundreds of millions of dollars in income and revenue. We're going to take the whole network off the air. And it turns out the guy who runs ran General Electric, his mommy was a big fan of Bill O'Reilly and didn't like Keith Oldman saying mean things about Bill O'Reilly. So you get to the top of the pyramid and it's some weak ass, white, old white guy billionaire whose mommy is making complaints to him. And that's how decisions get made. And... You know, somewhere up the food chain is some man-child who has way too much money and power for for the rest of us to live through, deciding that it's perfectly okay to put traitors and liars on television because it's good ratings, it's good TV, or it sells dick pills. So don't expect that to get any better. Um, One thing you might not know is that Mike Pence and David Brooks both think that enforcing the 14th Amendment is the worst thing that could happen to our democracy. Our democracy is under great threat. Uh, if we actually follow the constitution on which the democracy is based. Um, Now, it doesn't surprise me that David Brooks thinks this way. Um, I'm going to read you just a quick thing. This is from the PBS NewsHour. Mr. David Brooks has like 19 jobs. One of them is showing up on PBS every Sunday, or every Friday, rather, to give his opinion about whatever. This is him talking uh, last Friday. Uh, David Brooks, a lot of Americans have no faith in any of our systems. A lot of Americans have no faith in the other half of the country. And so we're in danger, in my view, of coming apart at the seams or really entering a terrible era of violence, even political violence. And so in my view, if some lawyers took Donald Trump off the ballot, half the country would say, that's it, we're done. Uh, This is a totally rotten system. And he continues, so I'm hoping the Supreme Court will not uphold Colorado, but let the voters decide. In my view, we have to let the voters handle this one. Now, what's wrong with this statement? 
Oh, just he, everything. I can tell you what one thing. He didn't mention the word Republican Party no, once. No, he did not. It's just the country's divided for some reason, and one half of the country doesn't trust the other half, and the other half doesn't trust the other half, and we're just coming apart at the seams. So as has always been true with David fucking Brooks, if there is a conflict between what sane, sensible people on the left would like and what raving lunatic gun nut assholes on the right would like, the only way to solve the terrible divide between us is to give the raving lunatics on the right whatever they want. So his solution to upholding the court's legitimacy of, of, of getting us to a place where we all trust the Supreme Court again is to let them violate the Constitution, let them overrule the lower court, let them just blow off the 14th Amendment and give Donald Trump what he wants, which is insane. And and the reason the Supreme Court has legitimacy issues is because Republicans fucked it up. Mm-hmm. It stacked the courts. They stole a seat from Barack Obama. They have perjurers on there, people who lied to get on the court by saying, oh, well, we're never going to overturn Roe versus Wade. The minute they're there, yep, Roe versus Wade is gone. And there's David Brooks way out there on the top of whatever, you know, pristine mountain of prose he lives on. Looking across the horizon, go. Isn't it a shame that both sides are so far apart? Isn't it a shame that everything is so divided in this country? Yeah, Clarence Thomas is on the court, and he's corrupt as fuck. Clarence Thomas's wife is deeply implicated in the coup to destroy America, and none of that comes up in his mind. It's just two halves of the country don't agree, so let's just let voters decide and not worry about the Constitution. But that wasn't the person who was the real winner. The real winner, the real daisy this week was Jonathan Capehart. I would I would direct this at him on, personally on Twitter, but many, many years ago, when he was just another both sides do it jerk, I, I, I mentioned on Twitter that maybe the both sides do it thing is kind of destructive and a bad thing, and that he instantly blocked me. So he I can't communicate with him directly anymore. But he was uh, sitting across from David Brooks. This is a conversation they have. And... It was very carefully stage managed by PBS because there are all these lies and bullshit and both sides and deflection that David Brooks just puked onto the table just sitting there. So if you're a good stage manager, what do you do? Well, you don't let Jonathan Capehart or ask him to directly attack or or contradict David Brooks because you don't do that. If you don't do that, you don't have that job for very long. So instead... The uh, the moderator, uh, Amna Nawaz, said, interjected at this point and said, well, I want to read to you part of a statement we've just gotten from Trump's campaign. And Jonathan, get your reaction to what David just said and to this. So she reads a statement from Stephen Chung, who's a Trump spokesperson, and Capehart focuses all of his rebuttal, all of his uh, all of his comments on just that one thing from a Trump spokesperson. Of course. Ignores what David Brooks says, doesn't conflict with it, doesn't contradict it, doesn't attack it, doesn't debate it, just lets it lay there like a dead fish on the desk. All right, maybe he just doesn't understand the issues. Maybe these are big words that are are beyond his comprehension. But no, because like two hours later, there's the same Jonathan Capehart on MSNBC, on on the Lawrence O'Donnell show, railing about the Supreme Court being unfair and how the Supreme Court is stacked, and the Supreme Court is corrupt, and it has a, a serious problem, and how they really shouldn't do this. You know what? Wow. He had a golden opportunity to talk directly to the voice of 
the the elite conservative intelligentsia, whatever the hell's left of it. He's right across the table from you. He's saying things you clearly believe aren't true, but you can't say that on PBS. Right. Because right. if you say that on PBS, you lose your job at PBS. So instead, he just lets that sail past, nods affably, and, the, and then we go to commercial after five minutes. And that is the problem with the media. You you have a person who clearly has principled beliefs, passionately held, willing to say them in one venue, and absolutely unwilling to say exactly the same thing in this in a different venue when the same question comes up. And you, yep. well, what does he really believe? I mean, is it is he putting on an act for MSNBC? He believes in a paycheck for Jonathan Capehart. That's what he believes in. Well, and I, I did say that you know he changes his principles as often he changes his pocket square. Different yeah. ones, different principles for different occasions. Yeah, yeah. Finally, this was just today brought to my attention by an alert reader. Um, speaking of the failed New York Times, Brett Stevens' column today was, oh my God, Brett Stevens. Why does Brett Stevens have a job? Take it up with the uh, Schultzberger family. But it must be awfully nice to get paid to be a, a reflexively contrarian asshole, which is <laughs> all he is. Who has, you know, got terrible opinions about climate change and crappy opinions about race and has written nothing but columns about Gaza for the last you know, three months. And he finally got around to writing something other than his pro-Israel column, which is, this is the title of his column, The Case for Trump by Someone Who Wants Him to Lose. It is silly. It is stupid. It is offensive. It is intellectually, deeply intellectually dishonest. It's factually wrong. And it's the worst kind of goddamn bosiderism you have ever heard. And it's sitting right there like a big stinky churr at the top of the New York Times op-ed page because that's where the Schultzberger family wants it. The same way that the reason Kristen Welker has her job is because NBC executives want her in that chair. So, again, this would have been called Sunday Morning Coming Down. I believe I titled that in my blog when I wrote about it. But it's, it's at this point, kind of ridiculous to write media criticism other than to document it for future generations. Right, right. It is never going to change. It's never going to get any better until the media is broken completely and and rebuilt from the ground up. And right now, I don't see any signs of that happening. And you have a media win of the week, though. I do. I do. And that was uh, Ruben Gallego on Lawrence O'Donnell saying Carrie Lake's name over and over and over again (laughs) as an argument for his Senate campaign. (laughs) My name is Ruben Gallego. You screwed up this country. Prepare to die. Carrie Lake. And just, you know what? I'm running as not Carrie Lake. You know who this, you know who's not Carrie Lake? This guy. You know who isn't <laughs> Carrie Lake at all in any way? Me, Ruben Gallego, the person who's not Carrie Lake. And you know what? I hope that's enough. I really do. Because Carrie Lake yeah. is um, a Petri dish, a Petri dish full of everything that's wrong with the Republican Party. And I hope there's still enough decent human beings in Arizona. I know I'm related to a few of them. Uh, who can get her the hell out of there and put him in office because we could really use him in the Senate. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think he'll be a very competent senator. Yeah. But his campaign, I, I wouldn't campaign any other way no, at this I'm point. No, I'm not Gary Lake. <laughs> There's really no reason to. No. Uh, we just want to mention briefly that um, Fargo on FX is the most political TV there is this season. Oh, none. And and contemporarily yeah. political. From, ripped from today's headlines. It sure as hell is. It's Fargo. And 
I would not advise this show, or let me put an advisory on the show, as they do, Mm -hmm. that if you are sensitive to depictions of domestic violence, uh, viewer discretion advised for sure. Oh, yeah. It is not for everybody. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that said, Trump, the sovereign citizen movement, the Bundys, (laughs) the oligarchs, the corrupt legal system, idiot sons... FBI snipers, Mm -hmm. all of these made either a mention or an appearance in just the latest episode of this show. Yeah. Yep. And they were all there. They were all there the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. So we're definitely back to Coen Brothers territory. And unlike PBS, Fargo doesn't both sides this shit at all. No, no. You're you're very clear (laughs) understanding of who the bad guys are, why they're bad guys. and why it would be a really good thing if they stopped being, you know, alive on this earth. And a strong, powerful mother will destroy them all. We yes. hope. I mean, yes. there's and only I one more episode in the season, but just as a spoiler for the first episode, just for the first episode, the inciting incident is a fight at a PTA meeting at a PTA meeting. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Moms for Liberty strikes again. So <laughs> it's very know, timely. I, it's very really timely. good. And, it, and you amazing know, really, acting, amazing yeah. acting. We're really enjoying it. It's, um, it's I not... say enjoy as I it, I have told you after episodes of this show. Wow, mm-hmm. that was tough. Yeah, that was hard to watch. But, but it wasn't just. It's not just you know it 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 strokes our political ganglia. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a really well written show. It's really and really well acted, well written, and Directed. Jonathan Ham, uh, John Ham, John oh Ham getting into being a villain with both feet and just he's really good at it. It's, it's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing. And we're enjoying it, if that's the right word. Well, and and I, as I said on our end of the year media podcast, you know, there is a buildup in our psyche, and I'm sure the psyches of many people listening to us right now, mm-hmm. a demand for justice that has thus far been unfed. And yes. so some of this violence and some of this retribution drama that goes uh-huh. on is is clearly an effort to feed some of that. Yeah. You know, you want justice for, against the bad guys. Yeah. This and is so that's what this is. Yeah. This is not um quite the West Wing. Oh, no. uh, this is the president we should have, not the one we no. do have. <laughs> no. But it, it it is kind of the same um impulse, which is wouldn't it be nice if the bad people who are really bad really got it in the end? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't mm-hmm. that be a, wouldn't that be a wonderful isn't that how fairy tales are supposed to end? Yep. Um yep. Now on to the real world. We're going to do a news roundup, um, if you don't mind. No, that's Are you fine. ready? Three, two, yeah. one. Remember Trump advising all of his idiot followers to take hydrochloroquine during the, uh, I'm sorry, hydroxychloroquine. I haven't said that word in so long. I know. It's been a few years, but, but yeah. Uh, and this is him directly quoted from his time as president. What do you have to lose? Take it, unquote. Turns out that advice could have caused as many as 17,000 deaths during COVID. So way to go, asshole. Trump lawyer Alina Haba publicly says Judge Kavanaugh will step up as Trump went through hell to get him into place. That's mob lawyer talk. Yeah. Haba also said she can fake being smart. She'd rather be pretty than smart because you can fake being smart. Yeah. You're neither and we can see right through it. Right. This is a CNN interview with uh, Missouri State Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft that very quickly went off the rails. And we're mentioning it because this is a journalist doing journalism. 
And it was very impressive that this person stepped up and would not let him off the hook, asked a very simple question, and just kept asking it and asking him and watched this guy dig himself a hole. In other words, you think that when the Supreme Court takes this up, they are going to side with President Trump. Is that correct? Uh, They are going to side against people being thrown off the ballot in this sort of manner. Um, The brief that I will be filing with the United United States Supreme Court is not going to say that President Trump is a bad person. It's not going to say that he's a good person. What it's going to say is that this extrajudicial means of removing people from the ballot is catastrophic to our country if it's allowed to continue. Because if Democrats can do it, you know that Republicans will do it. And if Republicans will do it, then Democrats will do it more. To that point, Secretary, in order to remove President Biden from the ballot, according to your state constitution, you would need to go to court. What do you think would be your strongest argument? No, not at all. Not at all. Your state constitution actually states that the Secretary of State lacks authority to assess qualifications of a candidate to determine whether to place a candidate's name on a primary ballot. That's according to Section 115.387 of your state constitution. What I'm saying is, if the Supreme Court upholds the ruling out of Colorado and what happened Which went to court to disqualify Donald Trump from the ballot. So you, according to your state constitution, would need to go to court. Sir, sir, let's just be clear. First of all, you've already said you're not an attorney and you don't know what happened in Colorado. I was happy I know to what happened in Colorado, sir. What I said was that I didn't read through all of the evidence specifically to be able to qualify whether there was hearsay or not. To get back to my question, you well, said that, that you would process. decide to remove Joe Biden from the ballot in your state. According to your state constitution, which I just read to you from, it says you need to go to court. I'm asking you what you think your strongest argument is. And I continue to try to answer your questions, and you continue to try to tell me stuff that just isn't true. That's and not factual, sir. You made, you made an accusation here, about me not knowing something. I'm trying to clarify it for you. You can choose here, to answer the well, question or just continue to deflecting. What is the strongest argument you would make in court to remove Joe Biden from the ballot? Go. The interviewer is Boris Sanchez. That was a good interview. Mm -hmm. Um, Chris Christie is out as a presidential contender. So what? Big deal. And and here's the quote from uh, the so-called hot mic before he went out to uh, announce that he was uh, suspending his campaign. On the so-called hot mic, which I'm sorry, I think Chris Christie, I don't think he's a good person, but I think he's very smart. And I, I don't think that this hot mic was accidental. Chris Christie said, yeah, that's what you get. I mean, she's, meaning Haley, spent oh. $68 million so far just on TV, spent $68 million so far. $59 million was spent by DeSantis, and we spent twelve. I mean, who's punching above their weight? And who's getting a return on their investment, you know? And I heard that. And I went and did the math. $139 million down the toilet. Yep. Yep. And Republicans are stopping summer meal programs for kids in their states because they don't like spending. We don't have a renewal of the child care tax credit because we can't afford it. Mm -hmm. But Republicans can spend $139 million for nothing. And they're not spending it. They're not buying ad time on TV. That's not what ad time on TV costs. It costs that much to hire asshole consultants to tell you 
what ads to put where. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Steve Schmidt a- costs $139 million. And, and a, a bevy of Steve Schmidt's costs that. And and you could hear that in the debate last night. You can hear. Oh, yeah. I mean, Ron DeSantis had this weird phrase about we march under the bright banner with vivid colors, not the pale pastels of the corporate banner under which Nikki. Hit. And he said it like three times. And my theory is in his brain, first of all, he just they program his brain. He goes out on stage and says what they tell him to say. He doesn't mm-hmm. know what else to do. So that's what he does. But my part of my, my part of my theory is that. Look, I spent $15 million on a couple of assholes to come up with a phrase that sounds sort of like Reagan. So I am, by God, going to say it over and over and over again, no matter how much, how little sense it makes. Um, and he's gone after Iowa. So it, it, it is a, an obscenity, the amount of uh, money that gets spent on campaigns and the amount of money that consultants can make um, telling stupid people what they want to hear and telling them that they could be president one day. Yep. And that's, yep. That, that's the Dean Phillips campaign right there. This is from uh, Brother Charlie Pierce, friend of the pod. Uh, so far, the star of the Court of Appeals this morning is Judge Florence Pan, who's having a great deal of fun pointing out that the former president's lawyers have already demolished their case for absolute immunity. Very efficient. Walk into court, screw up your own case, walk out of court, complain the liberal lefties liberals are out to get me. Do we want to mention the karma train that came for Bill Ackman? and that it was high-speed rail. (laughs) This was the billionaire who appointed himself chief whining internet loudmouth in the case of the takedown of Claudine Gay at Harvard. And who, as it turns out, is married to a woman who engaged in quite a bit of plagiarism, allegedly, Uh of her own. This is from Slate. Quote, If you thought you'd heard the last of Bill Ackman following his self-appointed stint as the Internet's main character in the right-wing crusade to oust Harvard President Claudine Gay, well, I regret to inform you the man is at it again, this time to whine loudly and lengthily about how he's found himself at the receiving end of the very battle he kicked off, unquote. He is so much worse than you've already heard, quote, In recent years, he's also fashioned himself into something of a sociopolitical pundit and blogger, endorsing a Michael Bloomberg presidency in 2016. Now, okay, we're going to start with Michael Bloomberg. See if you can find the through line (laughs) all of this. Uh Michael Bloomberg presidency in 2016, defending a prominent biologist who'd been fired from three different institutions for sexual misconduct, referring to Kyle Rittenhouse as a patriot, Proposing that J.P. Morgan Chase CEO Jamie Dimon run for president. That's two. That's two. Endorsing Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s COVID vaccine skepticism. Insisting upon Sam Bankman-Fried's innocence up to until his conviction. That's three. <laughs> and investing in anti-woke initiatives like Elon Musk's Twitter takeover. That's four as well as the asset management firm started by Vivek Ramaswamy, that's five, to counter socially conscious corporate practices, unquote. This guy likes rich people. Rich people like rich people. And rich people support rich people. They're in a union, Blue Gal. They're in a very strong union, and they have a lot of funding. Yes, they Um, do. This is uh, something from Dean Phillips. This is what he said this week. Sometimes if you build it, they don't come. He told this to reporters outside the Manchester Doubletree Hotel in New Hampshire after none, zero, no voters showed up to his, quote, government repair truck coffee conversations, unquote, event, which took place in 22 degree weather, which 
honestly, New Hampshire is a, you know, a warm summer day. Uh, But the real question is, (laughs) for you and I, I'm worried about Steve Schmidt. He's an orphan now. Uh, What's to become of Steve Schmidt? Now, he has two career paths going forward. We all know about Steve Schmidt and we know what uh, what a, a wretched human being he is. So he's got basically two career paths. One is a slow decline into becoming Ed Rollins. Ed Rollins is like 89 years old now or 80. He doesn't have much long left on this earth. So there's going to be an opening for another Ed Rollins somewhere. And that's someone who will start packs up for skeevy Republican candidates and show up on Fox to bitch about these kids today and how they don't know nothing. And we were podcasting when Ed Rollins quit the Michelle Bachman campaign in 2012. Yeah. Uh, we've been you around know, for a minute. He rode that horse as long as he could, and then yep. he quit. Into the ground, cashed the yep. check, and left. Yep. Uh, or uh, Steve Schmidt, door number two, you take another trip to the Republican Reputation Rehab Clinic for a little ideological nip and tuck, and voila, suddenly he's a hero of the resistance again. <laughs> so. <sighs> House Republicans and Senate Democrats reached an agreement, we thought, to avert shutdown and keep the federal government funded until the end of the fiscal year. The deal would have established an overall spending level of $1.66 trillion for the 2024 fiscal year. And Mike Johnson came out of a meeting this morning, Thursday, with a hint that he had reneged on the deal because the Lunatic Freedom Caucus called Speaker Mike Johnson's agreement a total failure and totally unacceptable. And uh, Vacate the Chair was trending this week as well. Yeah, all it takes is one. All it takes is one. And then we go through this whole thing over again, which is vastly entertaining. But I'm, I'm really sick of it. Donald Trump said he actually hopes the economy will crash this year, so the blame will fall on Joe Biden. This is a quote from Donald Trump. And when there's a crash, I hope it's going to be during this next 12 months because I don't want to be Herbert Hoover, the one president. I just don't want to be Herbert Hoover, Trump said. Don't worry, you're not Herbert Hoover. You're Hitler. So way to well, go. and Biden came out with an ad, which was brilliantly done, where an aide hands him a phone and he looks down at it and watches Trump say this and then looks up and says, you're already Herbert Hoover. You and he are the only ones that lost jobs during your administration. They're 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 getting they're ready for this. They are ready for this. It looks they like are ready, ready for, for this. this. Mm hmm. The Supreme Court agreed to review the Colorado Supreme Court's decision to remove Trump from that state's ballot in a state's rights case. The court will hear the case on an expedited basis with the arguments starting February 8th. On the other hand, that very same Supreme Court has allowed Idaho to enforce its near total ban on abortions, agreeing to hear an appeal in the case and scheduling arguments for April. So if you're, you know, pregnant with a killing pregnancy in Idaho between now and then, you're just shit out of luck. Trump has once again gone to the birther well, basically claiming that Nikki Haley is ineligible to be president because her parents were not U.S. citizens when she was born in the United States. Mm -hmm. Fun fact, Trump's own mother was born in Scotland. Yeah. Well, no, uh, that was a virgin birth because everyone knows he's, he's Jesus. He's Jesus come again. Uh, this is the moment that sums up the GOP debate pretty pretty well. Nikki Haley's biggest supporter and champion, Governor Chris Sununu, saying he would support Donald Trump if he's the nominee, even if he's a convicted felon. Because, you know, I don't care. I And it's clear that all of these people just want to preserve their viability in the Republican Party. Yeah, and for 2028, thing- Chris Sununu wants to run in 2028, yeah. and 
he knows that if he just keeps his head down and says, I'll support Trump, then nobody's going to remember anything else he did. Right. If he goes against Trump, then he's a never Trumper in 2028 and, and he won't win shit. But he also, this is the thing, they hate their voters. They do. They really do. They resent their voters. They resent, resent their voters and think their voters are stupid and brainless. Yeah. But it, it would never occur to them to leave the fucking party because this is their no. bread and butter. This is the, all they have. And Ben Carson, remember Ben Carson? He has urged evangelicals in Iowa who don't like Trump's character to vote for him anyway. Would you rather have somebody whose tongue is a little wild but has incredibly good policies? He also had things to say about slavery that we don't have time to get into. No. But once again, Ben Carson. Ben Carson. Why is Ben Carson? Why is Ben Carson? Meanwhile, in local news, a man who police said stole a vehicle and was released under the Pretrial Fairness Act is accused of immediately stealing another vehicle outside the jail. So, awesome. Way to that go. That was in Springfield? That was in Springfield. <laughs> and it wasn't me. No, and it wasn't you. Uh, the U.S. Supreme Court has denied a request to review the Illinois Supreme Court's decision on the Illinois weapons ban law, which means the law stands and Darren Bailey can piss up a rope. Yeah. Each week we post to our Facebook page and website an Internet Kitty sent in by you, the listeners. This week's Internet Kitty is Fat Pumpkin. He is a lovely orange lap kitty. He likes to sit in the lap. And, of course, Fat Pumpkin eats Freshly poured cat food, our fake sponsor. Whether you serve pet store perfection or dollar store dreck, your cat will sit on the kitchen floor and demand that the food they eat is only freshly poured. Freshly poured, freshly poured. Oh my lord, it's freshly poured. And you can visit Fat Pumpkin at our Facebook page and website. You can send your internet kitty, dog, or other pet to us at our email address, proleftpodcast at gmail.com, or you can also write to both of us. Feel free to write us. We do love hearing from you. Um, someone wrote us and wanted to know, they, they had the address from every episode, you know, at the beginning we yeah. give the P.O. box, but they didn't know who to make the check out to. And Drift Class said, you can just make it out to cash. And I said, no, <laughs> <laughs> that's very nice, but... If you're sending the podcast a check, you just make it out to the Professional F Podcast. Yeah. That's where the uh, bank account is. It's in the Professional F Podcast name. So just make it out to that and send it to P.O. Box 9133, Springfield, Illinois, 62791. And we'll get it and appreciate it. And thank you so much. Be aware that if you write to us at any of our addresses, we reserve the right to read your email or U.S. Postal Service. Go Postal Unions! Letter on the air unless you say otherwise. Now, it's very, very cold here. And it's going to get very, very much colder soon. So please don't forget our gourmet coffee guidelines. If you can afford to buy a warm, delicious, refreshing espresso-based beverage for yourself to keep the cold away because it's so very cold, buy one for us. This isn't charity. It's our job. If you can spare five bucks a month, please spare five bucks a month. If you can't, we understand. Hard times are hard times, and if that's the case, this show is our gift to you. But if you can afford to kick a few bucks our way, please do so. And you can do it at patreon.com forward slash proleftpod. Please share our show on social media. And if you love this podcast, after 14 years, this is a relationship. It's no longer a podcast. <laughs> it's a marriage. Please get someone else to join our marriage. Please, please get someone else to listen to. And really, really, 
thank you for doing that. We, we, we couldn't have done it without you all these years. 14 years, we could not have done that without your no, support. No. Hey, Driftglass, how are the Internet Kitties doing this well, week? Well, since you mentioned it, now that the podcast is 14 goddamn years old, the Internet Kitties think it's high time to put together a college list for our show. What colleges is the podcast going to apply to? A nice to? Liber- it's the 14 already. A nice liberal arts college somewhere deep in the woods. Nice small liberal arts yeah. college for the yeah. podcast. With a view, oh, some yeah. ducks and uh couple of radical where the, where there's four seasons yeah. the tree the trees change on the campus. seasons must That'd change nice. there should be dogs and frisbees and a hacky sack and that's all i ask happy 14th anniversary drift glass i love, love you. you too bye bye everybody hey, let's think about living think about living let's think about loving think about loving let's think about the hooping and the humping and the popping and the loving 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 let's forget about the wine and the crying the shooting and the dying and the fellow with the switchblade knife let's think about Professional F Podcast is recorded under a Creative Commons license. Copyright 2024-25, GGBG Productions.